When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm Callen Hauser, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. Guys, besides the Yankees being down 10 nothing and almost being no hit through six innings, how's your night going? Uh, it's going well. I mean, we're recording this on an NBA Draft Thursday, which is always a you know, fun night. Also have a great college baseball game going on right now as well between LSU and Wake Forest. Great pitchers duel. So, yeah, been a good been a good uh, night so far. Yeah, I, for me, it's it's just getting started. You know, just got off work. I mean, on yeah. the West Coast, I feel like our days are usually very different in terms of what stage of the day we're in. But yeah, I get home from work and you know, podcasts, and then uh, that that starts off a great night of for me of uh, playing Zelda and eating mm-hmm. dinner. <laughs> I can never really go wrong with that. I'm actually recording this uh, from outside my usual setup. I'm was home for weeks visiting some family, so. Sound a little bit different, but we powered through on this episode. Outside of me congratulating Rick once again for the Red Sox sweeping Yankees, blah blah blah. Whatever, you, you don't need to listen to to that. That was a a bad series. We actually came in this week really struggling to find a topic. We had a few things we were tossing around, but nothing really stood out for us. Then we tossed it to the people. We gave uh, some mailbag suggestions, and uh, one of our Discord members, Kuel, asked us a mailbag question, which we decided to not just answer in a mailbag, we decided to take that and make it our main topic. We're going to be talking about some sleepers for saves and holds to get into the second half of the season, because by the time you listen to us next week, we'll be about halfway through the season, so it's time to start looking at some of those guys, people you want to stash, put on your watch list as we move forward with all the burning and churning that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. But before we get into any of that, we're going to break down some of the latest injuries, not a lot of news, Not no transactions, just a couple guys placed on the injured list. First one is the Philadelphia Phillies placed Sir Anthony Dominguez on the 15-day IL with an oblique strain. We know the committee's kind of turned himself into just a two-man for saves with uh, Craig Kimbrell and Jose Alvarado being the main guys. But does this make anybody more interesting for holds? We know Gregory Soto's been used. Does anybody else kind of get onto your watch list now that uh, no Dominguez for the time being? Yeah, I, um, like you mentioned, Soto. I, I think Soto kind of gets a little bit of a bump. He, he's been pitching well this year, just hasn't had a ton of opportunities to uh, produce holds or saves, for that matter. Um, Matt Strom back in the bullpen, too. He's only has, he only has two holds, so <clears throat> I'd expect that number to rise in the second half. Um, Jeff Hoffman, maybe? I mean, Jeff Hoffman's pitched kind of pretty pretty good for them this year. Had a, had a weird save the other day, and I believe it was an extra inning situation, maybe. Um, but yeah, Ho- Jeff Hoffman's been, you know, pitching pretty well for them, surprisingly out of the pen. So even with Sir Anthony on on the IL for a little bit, the bullpen still should be, uh, you know, pretty pretty 
pretty good for them moving forward. Yeah, those are some good calls. Right, yeah, let's move on. The next one is another member of a former committee. Minnesota Twins place Jorge Lopez on the 15-day IL as he deals with some um, for mental health reasons. Hopefully, just like we said, Daniel Barr, he's able to overcome them and work his way back soon. But that leaves open the closer mix. Continues. Duran was essentially running away at the job at this point, but that makes it no question about that. Who stands out now, though, as the next man up in that pen? I know we've been liking Griffin Jacks. Is it him? Is there anybody else in the Twins bullpen you want to highlight now that Lopez will be uh, missing some time? Um, definitely Jacks and definitely Brock Stewart. Uh, he's definitely been rising up the bullpen depth chart for a little while now. Um, those two should get the bulk of the setup inning is in. Uh, Emilio Pagan's been okay this season. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, jo- Giovanni Moran, we talked about him a little bit in recent weeks. Those are not really guys you're looking for in holds leagues right now. I think they're more like wait and see. Moran, maybe he's got seven holds on the year, but um, definitely Stewart and Jax. Yeah, totally agree on those names. Uh, a bit more on Jax, though. He was one of the biggest stuff plus guys at the beginning of the season. And then he went through a real tough stretch, uh, sort of between the end of April and the beginning to mid-May. And since then, though, he's been pretty incredible across 12.2 innings in his last, in the last, uh, month. He has not allowed a run. He's only allowed five base runners all via hits and he struck out 12 batters. Not with no other base runners, that means no walks. So he's been pretty dominant recently. I haven't checked the stuff plus numbers, but if the results are that good and it comes with an incredible strikeout minus walk ratio, then that's a pretty reliable performance across the past month for Jax. Yeah, definitely. He's been someone we've highlighted a few times through this show, but it's nice to see what's going on. Keep those guys on the watch list. The AL Central, we know, is extremely up in the air and very, very strange at this point, but hey, you get some saves on a first place team or some holds on a first place team. You try and take advantage of that. And finally, Carl Edwards Jr. placed on the 15 day IL with shoulder information. You know, he wasn't in the mix for Nationals. We, If you've listened to the show long enough, you know who our favorite in that bullpen is. He'll likely uh, be mentioned as we get cl- closer down the line with some of the sleepers. But any impact from his pen with the loss of uh, Carl Edwards? Uh, I thought, you know, Hunter Harvey's been getting a lot of saves, save chances recently, and I he's been hit or miss. He hasn't exactly dominated uh, in the, in that ninth inning role. So I thought Edwards maybe had a chance to, to mix in there and be somewhat of a factor. But um, yeah, now that the shoulder is going to you know keep him out for a while, so it's looks like it's Harvey's uh, Harvey's role to lose really right now in that Washington closer uh, battle. Yeah, definitely. I, it's been pretty disappointing how he will get save opportunities and then blow them, which uh, every single time I think he's about to take over that closer role from Finnegan, he sort of blows it. And it's somewhat frustrating. And that led to a couple of saves for Carl Edwards Jr. But Finnegan's actually sort of been a little better across the past month in the in his last 15 innings. He has a 1.72 ERA with 18 strikeouts. So that's uh Somewhat disappointing for the people that want to see Harvey claim that closer role, but it has come with a lot of hits. The whip isn't too great there. Um, but I, I think externally, out, outside of Harvey and Finnegan, that sort of sets Mason Thompson up for a, a larger role since they were going with that 
bullpen three-headed monster of Finnegan, Harvey, and Edward Jr. <laughs> three-headed monster used lightly there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Mason Thompson has been sort of the go-to third guy out there. He's got a 3.75 ERA, but he does have four holds. He's not striking a lot of guys, but that does seem to be their preferred third option as of now. Yeah, like I said, it's three-headed monster. Use it lightly. It's something to keep in mind because the Nationals, we know they'll be selling at the deadline if Hunter Harvey can be you know, what we've all kind of wanted him to be, or at least the three of us on the show have wanted him to be. Maybe he's a name that finds his, himself on the move deadline. And like I said, Mason Thompson could be a guy to throw on the watch list, but obviously no rushing to get him back. It's a third option for the Washington Nationals, who we all know are not a very good team. Usually this is the point in the show we'll talk about the guys who are being activated from the injured list or options and that impact, but there really was none this week. It was a very minor week for injuries, lucky for us, which just means next week we're going to have almost a full show of news and notes, but mm. we'll take advantage of it when we can. As usual, now we go over to our risers and fallers from the past week. Rick, we'll start with you with a quiet week in news. Anybody stand out in terms of a riser through uh, rankings? Uh, I think the big one that we should we gotta mention is Jordan Hicks kind of taking over the closer role in St. Louis. Um, you know, everyone we all turn to Gallego says the guy after Helsley went down, but it looks like Hicks has very quickly kind of closed that gap and is now the favorite for saves there. Um, which is interesting. I mean, he, he was the closer there four years ago. And I, I think this might be his best year that he's ever had in his career currently, and especially, you know, since like you know middle of May, he's, he's been pretty lights out with a 37.5 K rate over his last 18 plus innings, um, which we never used to see like a huge K rate numbers from Hicks. He was, you know, we knew we know the velo is great, but he was getting a lot of ground balls with that sinker. But now he's starting to turn the, the sinker slider combo into into strikeouts, and that's you know awesome to see. Obviously, from a from a uh, closer, so I, I, I'm um I'm kind of in on him now. I, I think even when Helsley comes back, there's a good chance. We're not talking about a guy that's just like an interim closer. I mean, this was their closer for a while, and you know, 2019 and. Before, even in 2018 for a little bit in 2020 and uh, I just think that this this could be a potential you know the Cardinals need to start playing better but one of those potential mid-season like closers you add that kind of helps you win your league yeah definitely and there's so much to like about what he's been doing recently it's been very different from what he did in the past like you were saying he's been striking out a lot of guys which is great because there was so much to take away from Hicks's uh, success because he had such great stuff when he was first coming up and in the last couple of years, but it was always sort of uh, overcasted by the amount of walks that he allowed and and his lack of strikeouts. So it was like, okay, he throws a hundred miles per hour and he can get a lot of ground balls because he's throwing a sinker, but mm-hmm. he's mediocre in the strikeout department. And then he drags that down with a ton of walks. And while the walks are still there, you can sort of counteract those with a ton of strikeouts. And that's what he's been doing recently. 34% strikeout rate. That's really good. You said it's even better in the past month. And that comes with the same amount of ground balls, that same kind of stuff. And the success has turned around recently in his last 18 innings since May 8th, which was my brother's birthday. Uh, he struck out 27 batters in that time, which is seven walks. And he's got a 1.47 ERA. And as always, the most important thing is roll. And we've seen that 
sort of solidify in the past week as he had three saves on three straight days. So it doesn't even seem like mm-hmm. usage is going to hold him back e- even either. Uh, so yeah, definitely. I think this is sort of the hot commodity right now guy to grab because his stuff is incredible and he's finally turning it into strikeout stuff. It's, it's what we've always hoped from Bruce Dark Ratterall, yeah. but uh, yeah, th- this, he seems to be the real deal. It's very similar, right? So it, it, you're, it's what I was thinking too, is like, this is what we hope Gratterall turns into, right? Um, and for those who are like wondering if the strikeout rate is, you know, is it going to stick? It's, it's, you know, I think it's basically he's changed. He's kind of gotten into that sweeper craze. He, he changed his slider into more of a sweeper and he's got a 52.6% whiff rate on that this year. So I, I think that, that new, you know, that new and improved sweeper or slider whatever you want to call it it's 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 working and it's it's going to keep his strikeout rates high for uh, the for you know moving forward we've always seen the cardinals they they're not they don't hesitate to make the swap at closer they've done it with presley last year they did it this year by by mixing and matching with Pels, with uh Pelsley and uh, gallegos so why not do it again this year of hicks i would agree he's a very hot ad if you're if he's still sitting out there go get him you hope he can handle this job. The one hesitation I'd have is because they can make that quick switch that they do go back to a Helsley or a Gallegos if he has any hint of struggling, especially because this is a team that has underperformed this year. But it's the Cardinal way. They're always going to find a way to get themselves back on track. I would not be shocked if they end the season still in first place in the NL Central. Sorry, 11 game winning streaks since Cincinnati Reds, but you never know. So, Hopefully yeah. he gets this, gets this going, but yeah, while he's hot like this, there's no reason to let him sit out there. Go take advantage of this. At the very least, he'll help you with strikeouts and the ratios the way he's been pitching so far. Jake, move over to you. Who is a big riser based on their performance last week for you? I'm going with Scott McGuff. He's definitely looking like he's claiming that closer role in Arizona, and he's doing it pretty emphatically. We saw just a couple of nights ago him get a two-inning save, and last night he got another save, and so that brings him up to four saves on the year. Not a lot, but that's because he hasn't really been given the reins, and it finally looks like he's got those. There was the closer committee earlier in the year with Castro and Chafin, and now it looks like it's McGuff's job. And I, I think there was sort of this misconception. I don't know if I've spoken about this earlier. I think, I think there was a misconception sort of how his season was going because there was so much hype on him early on in the season when it looked like he could be that closer. There was so much excitement sort of because of the unknown of him coming over from having a lot of success in Japan. And then he sort of pooped the bed. He uh, gave up a lot of big home runs. He blew a couple of games. I think a little bit was unlucky, but since then he's turned it around and that was like the first week of the season. And now he's been incredible since then. Not only does he strike out a decent amount of batters, 31%, but he also gets a ton of ground balls. That strikeout rate is backed up by a really great swinging strike rate. And Although it's like the splitter is his big pitch, which is one of the most inconsistent pitches in baseball, and you're coming from Japan where it's like that ball is a lot different than it is in America, it seems like he's finally gotten control of it. In his last 20 innings since mid-May, he's got 29 strikeouts, and he has not allowed an earned run, so he's got a zero ERA in his last 20 and a third innings, and it finally looks like they are going to let him take that role and then run with it in Arizona. And don't forget, that team is in first place right now, so he's got a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I love the Mc, Mc, McGuff uh, pick there. Um, you know, it's I, I'm really like it's been crazy how this has changed so much over the past month. But I think <laughs> it's it's hard to. I mean, I, I think we're now finally getting um, 
clarity here. And I, I, I think this is going to, we're not going to be asking questions who's going to be closing games in Arizona anymore. So I, I think it's going to be McGuff as long as he continues to, to pitch well. I think Chafin's still, you know, the second, the next man up. And I, I think Castro's kind of fallen out of favor there. And, uh, even in holds leagues, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of worrying signs about Castro that I'm not even sure if I'm hanging on to him in, in, you know, shallower holds leagues at least. Yeah. What he's done so far has been great. He's another guy who's an immediate ad everywhere. We talked about him last week. The concern you have again is that the Dimebacks are in first place. Do they add the bullpen that currently is one of the worst ERA wise in all major league baseball? Either way, McGuff will still have some value, whether it's saves or potentially holds. But once again, while he's riding this hot streak, becoming the clear go-to guy in those situations, you saw him come in on Thursday of the day recording this. 5-1 Mantiply came in, gave two runs, they go right back to McGuff back-to-back to get two straight saves. So he's a guy I don't think there's full competition there. They'll probably move Chafin back to the high-leverage fireman-type role, which sets up McGuff for what we were all kind of hoping he would be at the beginning of the season. And my final guy I'm going to mention in this portion is Albert Azulai. He's been brought up a lot by you guys. It's time for me to get on that train. He's been absolutely lights out lately. Hasn't given up a run in an outing in over a month at this point since May 21st. He's the go-to guy for saves in that span. Only three saves in this month, so you'd like for that to go up a little bit. But strikeout stuff's there. And you look at his PL plus page. So much red tie percentile in uh, terms of whip. K percentage is high at 29.7.9. CSWs is definitely a little bit lower, but swing strike rates higher up at 14%. XERA is 2.13. Just a lot of great things that you want. The Cubs are starting to find their stride as well. So it seems like he is kind of taking that job for the Cubs and run with it. And when you're as lights out as he's been, why not? So he's definitely a riser for me. And I'm finally getting myself onto the Alzali uh, bandwagon with you guys. Yeah, it took. I mean, it took a while, but what is it? It's June 22nd, and I think we may have, may finally have answers in Chicago and Arizona mm-hmm. for who their closers are going to be. So, yeah, Alzali has been um, just very. I mean, the strikeout rate could be a little bit better, sure, but like he's just been a rock. He's been so steady. Uh, ERA under two. Um, you know, limiting hard contact. He's really transitioned well into the bullpen role. And I, I think Leiter has been great too, but I, it should, I think Alzelay is really solidifying himself as the, as the best option to close out games there for now. Yeah. You mentioned the uh, strikeout rate being a little low and yeah, it's not like elite, like yeah. other pitchers, but it's still in the 75th percentile at 28%. And he sort of makes up for it by not walking anybody He's mm-hmm. at 5%, which is in the top 30 among relievers, which 91st percentile right now. And he also doesn't give up hard contact at all. He's very good in that department, 85th percentile. So I think whatever deficiencies he has, he sort of makes up for it with his efficiencies elsewhere. And also, uh, Callan mentioned that he had three saves in the last month, that by itself would lead the whole team. I know. They would tie, <laughs> tie with Mark Leiter, but yeah. Yeah, you compare him to Mac, Mark Leiter. Over the last 13 innings, Azlai has a 1.35 ERA, 0.98 whip. Mark Leiter on the other hand, 4.61 ERA, for good XFIP of 2.27, but it's been clear that Azlai has been the better pitcher between the two over the past uh, 13 innings or so. It's about a, about a month of work, so it's been steady and he seems like the go-to guy. So take advantage of that while you can. Hopefully the Cubs can get themselves on this roll because 
the NL Central itself is just wide open. That's uh, the easy way to say about it. As usual, as the risers move up, there's going to be guys who fall in the ranks. So, Jake, we'll start with you this time. Who's your biggest faller from the past week? Well, it's a guy that's on my home team, unfortunately, and that's Alex Lang. It's not been the best of weeks for Lang, and it's sort of because he's just uh, been blowing his saves, and <laughs> that's that. That'll usually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, his ERA was looking so good for a while. He started off the season really good, and then basically with the turn of June, he's fallen apart a lot. He's given up ten runs in his last five innings. It's come with five walks and four strikeouts during that time. The eighteen ERA is supported by seven point four six xFIP, so it's not been great recently, but. I do still have confidence that he's going to turn it around. I think this is just the type of stretch that comes for every pitcher when you have an XFIP that is well above your ERA. You sort of expect it to come at some point, hopefully not at all at once like it did for Lang in the past two weeks, but sometimes that that's how it happens. His ERA is still under four, but it's definitely crept up there. His numbers are looking a lot more similar to last year, but... I think he's still the best closer or best reliever in general in Detroit right now. Definitely got the best strikeout stuff. I don't think he's going to lose that closer role anytime soon. He's probably going to be an all-star. Whether or not he gets traded, that's still up in the air, but that's not affecting his uh, status as a guy that's falling. Yeah, with Lang, it always comes down to uh, it's just command. And, you know, he, he has a devastating breaking ball, and it's sometimes hard to command for him. So, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I know, you know, Foley mixed in for a, a save and, you know, there was some skepticism about whether or not, you know, he was taking over the role there. But I I, I think, you know, this is just kind of a, a bump in the road for, for Lang. And I, I think he stays there. I don't think he's got, I think, four years of team control left. Maybe he still, he still has a lot of, you know, a lot of time before he hits free agency. So. I would imagine Detroit hangs on to him. They could sell high if they wanted to, but um, especially given the fact that there might not be a huge, you know, a lot of relievers available while there's going to be a lot of relievers that are in demand because a lot of teams, like you said, basically both the AL and NL Central, everyone's fighting for a playoff spot there. And so, um, but yeah, I, I, I still, you know, moves down a little bit this week, but I'm not completely panicking on him yet. Yeah, the nice thing for Lang managers, there's nobody to compete with him for Tigers. We'll mention one or two guys in our sleeper thing, but I don't think any of them are going to really step in and take the job from him. He's been pretty consistent throughout the season. Outside of his stretch, I ultimately think he'll find his way and uh, keep things rolling and hang on to that job. But Rick, over to you. Who is your biggest faller from the past week? <laughs> uh, I guess so. I had him fall again this week. Uh, this was when I put my closing time article out on Tuesday afternoon. That was Evan Phillips went down and then proceeded to have two saves uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. His first two saves since May 12th. So it, of it's course. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see, you know, and I did mention that he it's not like there's other Dodgers getting saves. It's just that they haven't had any save opportunities. And even when they do, they will, you know, Similar to like the Mets or other you know teams, they'll they'll use Phillips in you know the eighth inning, seventh inning if needed. So uh, it's good though to see him get those two saves uh, the last two days, and especially with you know Daniel Hudson coming back soon, and you know potential other uh, reinforcements there. 
but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see you know going into let's say the All Star break what what this closer situation looks like here and then after that are they gonna be players for to you know to trade for one of those you know whatever good relievers are available at the deadline so um it was a good this has been a good week for Phillips but it's not I don't think he's you know someone that is a top twenty closing option right now and in, in save only leagues mm-hmm. yeah if he if he got as many saves as you would expect for a guy on a team that you expect to be a contender then i think he would definitely be in at least the top 15 because his skills are so good and they, they've sort of stayed intact from last year's breakout but like you said he just hasn't been getting saves the dodgers haven't been great recently don't forget they got swept by the giants pretty cool um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's always the biggest thing. It's just like roll and getting saves in general is a lot different than just being a good reliever. So I think Phillips is a guy that's great in saves plus holds leagues. I think he's great in points leagues, but in saves only leagues, he's not as elite as his skills and his success would suggest. Yeah. It's a weekly reminder for Phillips that. There are people reinforcements coming down the pipeline. Daniel Hudson's working his way back. Blake Trinan, back JP Fireisen will come back. There's a lot of guys waiting around for this Dodgers to be, compete for saves. Maybe they don't actually ultimately take away from Evan Phillips, but it makes it tough to predict, which is uh, never something we like to do on this show. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, it, it's nice, just like you said, to get to see those two saves this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Hopefully, it's signs of things to come, but before then, the lack of saves definitely were concerned. And that's a save concern for the guy I'll mention at the end of this segment. That's David Robertson. Do I think he lost a job for the Mets? No, I still think he's the favorite for saves at this point, but he hasn't had a save since May 31st. He still looks good. The numbers, the underlying numbers are still great. He's still a guy I want to roster. I think just the, the way the Mets are playing right now, and some usage reviews starting to see him as well be someone that's brought in in the eighth inning for a higher leverage role or, you know, in the ninth of a down by one just to keep the game uh, close. It's slightly concerning, especially the possible month long stretch of no saves at this point. So he hasn't really fallen too far in terms of ranks, but it's the name I wanted to mention as someone to monitor going forward because as we talked about in the past, the Mets are never going to be hesitant to make a move and we could see potentially something in that bullpen so just name the monitor I, there's nothing really actionable in terms of david robinson but someone i just wanted to mention uh, on the back half here yeah i mean the mets have one they have one save in the month of june uh that was from Drew smith they have i'm just a lot of losses from this bullpen and only one save so yeah that kind of wraps up what going on in the Mets with the Mets right now. Um but yeah, it's just similar to Phillips. It's like he's Robertson's been pitching well. It's just tough to trust him or you know, if you're rostering him, if you're putting him out there in a weekly league and you're not really getting a whole whole lot of value outside of, you know, strikeouts and he's not gonna crush your ratios, but it's tough just, you know, not being able to, to get saves from this bullpen right now. Yeah, so basically same situation as Evan Phillips, except the Mets are worse. And uh, so like the, the skills are there, but the opportunities are not. Callan mentioned one save since the since for Robertson since the end of May. Uh, he's only got three saves since 
mid-May. So it's it's been over a month for him with uh, just very few save opportunities. Not good. Something you wanted to monitor again. I, we both, All three of us, I believe, still have him as the favorite for saves in Mets, but something to monitor as we get closer and closer to the midpoint of the season. Speaking of the midpoint of the season, we'll take a quick break so we get to the midpoint of the show, but when we get back, we'll look into some of those sleeper relievers, guys you want upon your watch list, someone you want to stash at this point in the season as we expect their saves and holds to rise up over the burning and churning of the pens over the next couple weeks. So all that and more on this episode of In the Pen. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. So like we said, this mailbag question or this segment was set spot it was uh brought to us by Kuel, a member of our Discord. He we threw out some mailbag I do have a mailbag question to end the show. But this one sparked this whole segment. He asked specifically our sleeper relievers, including currently Andrew, that we would stash watch list for the second half of the year for saves and save plus holds. So let's start off with save. We've come up with a list of about ten guys or so. We probably won't get through them all. But Rick, I'm gonna start with you. Your favorite candidate so far to stash at this point in season. If you can only pick one who's uh, someone you're looking to stash and hold on to uh, as a save candidate for the second half. Well, uh, mine are a little bit more of a deep, deep dive, I guess. Um, but this this guy, okay, so Josh Spores has been in, he's been very good this year and to the point where it, it, it's going to surprise a lot of people who haven't really checked in on what Josh Spores has been doing. He's uh, first in baseball and CSW for the year, fourth in swinging strike rate. He currently has an ERA of 2.7 with a whip of 0.87. Just absolutely electric stuff from the Rangers' new setup, man. And, you know, all he has in front of him is Will Smith. And I know Will Smith has been pitching well for the the Rangers. And uh, it's, I'm not saying he's going to lose his job anytime soon, but I, think that there's you know we'll see what happens with will smith in the second half i mean he struggled last year it's it's just you know it's kind of a it's really a deep dive with spores because again smith has not done nothing to lose the job but it's um just the way spores has just been so good this year that i I think he's worth a look and if you're really trying to like speculate on potential saves at, at the second half of the year 
Yeah, and I think it's all due to a, a pitch mix change. He's been leaning into his slider a lot, mm-hmm. which is a very good pitch. It's got a 39% CSW, and he actually leads all of baseball in CSW at 38%. So definitely a lot of advanced metrics are backing up this sort of ascension from where he was last year because I, th- I think last year he was like not only unknown but he, he was bad <laughs> he had a 6.45 era in 22 and a third innings he had been uh definitely serviceable in the past and uh didn't get too many opportunities in la before landing in texas but i they definitely unlocked something here with that slider i don't know if it's uh like changed a lot in terms of what kind of pitch it is do you know if it's like a sweeper instead of a slider now? Um, I don't believe so. So, I mean, looking at, and he's throwing it a little bit harder. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if that's changed anything. Um, everything else looks pretty similar though. He's just, I think he's just been, been locating better. And I mean, he has been, he was a guy I remember last year, um, Heading into last season, I picked him on another podcast. I picked him as like a sleeper for saves. And obviously that didn't turn out well last year, but um, he's always kind of been a guy who's like kind of teased us and the the stuff's been there. It's just putting it all together, which he's finally been able to do this year. And, you know, I I think it's on a different note, just thinking that Will Smith still has his job. I I feel like there hasn't been a lot of closers this year that have, kind of fallen apart especially in that like top 20 range i feel Mm -hmm. you know i wonder if that's going to stick throughout the whole season we we could is the second half of the year going to be crazy are we going to have like a bunch of you know changes or are these guys just you know is it a different era where we have you know the the closers who aren't going to lose their jobs because it's it's been hard to find it's hard to like you know pick these who who's going to be the next you know sleeper closer Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I mean the Rangers are really good this year, yeah. so they're definitely not going to screw around if Will Smith starts to fall apart. Um, but it, I, looking at the numbers more deeply on the slider, I think it has changed. The movement profile has changed. He used to have the same amount of horizontal movement as he had vertical movement, and now both numbers have changed a lot. So it's it's okay. less horizontal movement and more vertical movement. And he's throwing the pitch a couple miles per hour slower. So I think he went from more of like a cutter to more of a slider. So that's uh, that's sort of interesting. This is why I like doing a podcast with you guys every week. I can't say I was very well versed on what Josh Spores was up to uh, this season. And now I'm very intrigued, I think. <laughs> Me too. Will Smith was never someone we've been extremely confident. Now, Bruce Bochy has confidence in him. But like you said, Jake, this is a very good Texas Rangers team. They're in first place and don't exactly look like they're going to relinquish that anytime soon. So if Will Smith shows any signs of struggling, we know Bochy won't hesitate to make the switch and go to one guy. And the way he's pitching, I think Josh Spores could be a great guy to monitor. If he's available, of course, and holds, go get him now. But if he's out there for saves, maybe it is time to start with the stash of him and hold on to him. Jake, let's go over to you. Give me one uh, stash candidate for saves toward the second half. Sure. I mean, the first name I thought of when I read this mailbag question was Edwin Diaz. And that's mostly because that's like a, a true stash where you're not just putting him on your bench while you're waiting for him to take over the closer role. It's like he will take over the closer role. He just needs to get healthy first. And right now it's, 
unsure when he's going to return. I mean, we didn't even think he'd be back this year, but all indications suggest he'll be back in September. And I wouldn't put it against him that he gets back even a little bit earlier than that. But this has been the no doubt best reliever in baseball for the last couple of years. And the Mets will definitely throw him right back in the closer role. I know Rick was making some jokes about uh, that, the possibility of that not being the case, but I think this is the most elite option that's currently on the IL. It's just a matter of how deep is your how deep are your IL slots? How big is your bench? Can you hold him and and not sort of screw over the rest of your team? If you got unlimited IL spots, I'm sure he's already being held somewhere. But if you're in a, in a league where you know there are limited IL spots or there's limited bench, he might still be out there. And so maybe once we get into August or even a little bit before that, you take the chance and you say, "Hey, I'm going to put him on my bench for four weeks because this could be the difference maker in September." Yeah, um, it's Edwin Diaz, right? I don't really have to tell you, don't have to sell you on him. As long as he's healthy at some point in September, he's worth um, he's worth rostering. And it's just going to come down to his health and, uh, you know, how, yeah, like like Jake said, if you have the IL spots to, to stash him for that long. Yep, Edwin Diaz is good at baseball. So if you could stash him, go for it. We just talked about how we have some some concerns with David Robertson the rest of the way. So maybe Edmund Diaz does come back and take a job right back. So I'll take a free space at this point to someone to stash. We've talked about him enough over the past couple of weeks, but just to be a reminder, stash Daniel Hudson. We've been talking about the uh, Evan Phillips concerns and the usage over the past uh, few weeks now. And Hudson has the closer pedigree. He's got a sign for those, for those purposes. And it would not shock me one bit to see him just come right back and take the job with how inconsistent Dave Roberts has been in terms of who the closer are. We know the Dodgers are going to find their way back. They're not going to be this, you know, they're starting to turn things around, but they were one of those teams you were starting to get concerned about along with the Astros and the Yankees. I would have the least concern about the Dodgers of those three. We know they'll find their way back and they'll be right in the mix of the Diamondbacks and the possibly the Giants for that NL West. So. If you can have the closer for that team, you go for it. And right now, all signs point to Daniel Hudson possibly coming right back and taking a job. So if he's available, he should be stashed in as many leagues as possible. Yeah, I'd agree. I've in any in leagues where I have unlimited IL spots, I have been stashing him and just yeah, waiting to see how things play out there. So um definitely worth worth a stash or now that he's as close to being back when he does return, you know, see how things play out in LA. I'm sure he's not going to get added right away outside of, you know, you know, 16 teamers or deeper leagues. So you have, you probably have a couple games to see how things play out there before having to make a move, but he, he should be on your radar. Yeah. I've sort of always been skeptical of this call because he's so old and he's never yeah. recorded more than 10 saves in his career. Ages but, him. <laughs> but if he does have that velocity back that he's been sort of increasing over the last few years, he's got it up to 97 in each of the last two years now, then I, I think it's uh it's easy to forget how good he was last year. He had a 2.22 ERA in 24 innings. He struck out 30, 31% of batters in the year before he struck out 36% of batters. So I think he's quietly been a really great reliever. And I think people sort of disregard him because he was never a closer for an extended period of time. Really the biggest time he was a closer was during that, uh, during that for the nationals in 2020. And that was coming off the big postseason run he had for them in 2019. Um, but yeah, I, I think you sort of just gotta 
see how that velocity is doing, monitor how he how he's doing when he comes back, because. I mean, uh, it's sort of self-explanatory from there, the way that the Dodgers have been using their bull- bullpen, sort of anybody that's been, anybody that has success can take over that role. Rick, let's get back over to you. Who is your next favorite uh, save sash right now? Uh, I'll go out. Yeah, I'll go with Tommy um, Canely because I know how, you know, Clay Holmes has been pitching a lot better lately. and I still like Holmes as the favorite for saves there, but like I said, it's it's kind of slim pickings when we're trying to find who might, you know, what what closer roles might be up for grabs in the second half of the year. So let's can, let's say Holmes does struggle a little bit in July. That job opens up again. I, I think, you know, Canely has pitched really good. He's only it's only 7.2 innings, but he's pitched really good so far and hasn't allowed an earned run Has a 34.5% CSW. Uh Limiting hard contact, 1.19 XCRA. I, I mean, only 3.7% walk rate. He's been great. Uh, missing bats with his changeup. It's crazy to see a 79% change changeup usage. It's uh, definitely not something you see from a lot of a lot of pitchers. But his changeup's really good. He plays it well off his fastball, or plays his fastball well off his changeup. I guess um, that he only throws his his four seamer 12% of the time. So. It's a, it's a little bit, it would be a different type of closer, you know, not the guy who comes in just throwing nine high nineties. This is the guy who, it's not even like Devin Williams. It's, 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 you know, Devin Williams has a pretty good. Cesar Valdez. Yeah. In a, in a way, it's like a better Cesar. <laughs> it's like a better, yeah, Cesar Valdez. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a name. I think Michael King, he, he struggled a little, King struggled a little bit lately. And I don't know if he's, He's probably not a guy that they really want to have close anyway. So I, I think Canely could be the next man up if something happens with um, with Holmes in New York. Yeah, that changeup's got to be one of the best changeups in baseball, if not the best, mm. with how it's going right now. And for me, like honestly, I'm gonna have to see a bit more to be fully bought in. But that pitch is such like a feel pitch where it can sort of go either way in terms of success based on how you, how it feels in your hand and and how how well you have a how good you are controlling it and right yeah. now it seems like he's doing that pretty well and so i feel like the yankees have got to be in the same boat as i am where it's like okay you're showing us what you can do if you can keep this up for like a month or so then i think we're uh we're going to have to start considering you as the closer and i think the way that they've used Holmes this season and the way that we considered Holmes coming into this season as the guy that would work better as a high leverage guy because of his ability to get ground balls and get you out of a jam, then that sort of can slot Conley or Canley into that role because you have him as the closer, you got Holmes as the guy to get you out of jams, you got King as the guy to go multiple innings, and you have Wani Peralta mm-hmm. as a lefty specialist. I think that sort of all fits really well. The puzzle pieces go well together, but it all depends on Canley maintaining the feel for his changeup, which right now he definitely has. We've seen him work his way back up the circle trust for Aaron Boone. His first three outings after coming back from the IL were mop-up duties just to get him some work, but we saw past couple times coming into some higher leverage and even on Wednesday he got his first save this season relieving Michael King when he was had no control and was getting hit hard in the ninth with first and third one out in a two run game to uh, pick up his first save of the season so he's working his way right up there then again Clay Holmes was not available at that point because he pitched in a two thirds the night before but like Rick said maybe this is a sign that Kane Lee is getting that trust as the second in command the second guy for Clay Holmes so Definitely, I probably wouldn't have put too much thought into, but he's been very impressive since coming off the IL, that's for sure. 
Jake, over to you, your next favorite uh, saves candidate for stashing. I'm going to go with another injured guy that used to be an elite reliever, and that's Liam Hendricks. We waited a long time for him to return from dealing with cancer. And so it was great to see him back. He did not look like himself when he came back. The velocity was down. He wasn't having as much success as we thought. And then he hit the IL with elbow troubles, but it looks like he's going to be resuming a throwing program within the next week. So by next week, I think he could be throwing again, which would be great. That sort of give him a timeline of a couple more weeks until he returns. So early mid July, I think we could see him back on the mound and the way that White Sox bullpen is going. I, I feel like he's got to be the the favorite there to return to being the saves guy. It only took him a couple outings to get back into the closer role anyway. And he's a guy I'm stashing in a lot of leagues just because it's all track record there. I'm just, I'm just relying on the track record to help me believe in a guy that could come back and be a real difference maker in the second half. Yeah, I mean, just like with Edwin Diaz, it's you know, it's Liam Hendricks if he's healthy, if he's throwing, if his elbows right, and if you know the velocity was down when he first came back, we 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 kind of knew something was not right, was not fully right with him. So yeah, that'll be something to monitor when he does get back. You know, where, where's the velocity at and all that. So, but as as long as he's healthy, yeah, that's you you want to roster him. I'm sure he's been dropped in uh, plenty of leagues that have shallow IL. Uh, spot so if he's available you know monitor his health status see when he's you know nearing a return and uh it's worth a look if you're you need saves yeah and with the way the white Sox are playing right now i could definitely see him getting traded he is under contract through this year but he's got a 2024 club option and the white Sox are sort of looking like sellers and we've talked about a lot of teams that have like a solid closer but not a guy that they're totally 100% 100% in on, whether that's in uh, New York for the Mets or or it's like the Rangers or whatever. This is the type of guy that I think uh, a team with playoff aspirations would go and be like, hey, we want to get this guy to lock down the ninth inning. And that sort of makes the whole bullpen better because it moves everybody up an inning. So I think that's a, that's a guy that could be a big trade commodity and could move to a better team to give him more opportunities. He would be fun. Yeah, okay. he would be, he'd be fun on on like the Diamondbacks, I, that would yeah. Just seeing that that might be the if they if the Diamondbacks, I think it sounds like they're going to be aggressive. I don't know if that's you know Liam Hendricks aggressive or if it's more of a like a Scott Barlow. But yeah, I, I, Hendricks would be uh that he, he as long I think they're you know they'd probably ask him give you know see if he wants to move and if he's willing to move. I I think there would be plenty of suitors for him. Yeah, the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I, that's my that'd first be, thing. That's the first thing that came to mind. That would be crazy. I, it's not something I'd put a lot of thought into. I forgot how close his contract was to, and like I said, his, he'd be an amazing trade candidate. And we talked all season about oh, Scott Barlow gets traded, or if Dave Bednar gets traded, or Lex Diaz. When Liam Hendricks is sitting right there as a possible candidate, so monitor that closely. Speaking of trades, this guy that I'm going to bring up is a possible candidate because of that. We mentioned Alex Lang falling over the past week, and there's still a lot of club controls, so Tigers have to be wowed in order to make that move. But I want to mention uh, Jason Foley as a guy who I've been kind of interested in. So Rick threw his PL, pl- his PL page on our Discord, and Jake and I could not figure out who it was. But at the time of posting this, which was just a few days ago, he was fourth in all of Major League Baseball in PLV with a 5.53. 50th in XCRA, 21st in ground ball percentage, 22nd in ground and fastball miles per hour. 
But the crazy thing is, he's 336 in swing percent, strike percentage at 7.1%. I don't know how those things correlate, but it's something to monitor. I don't think the Tigers will be trading Alex Lang, but if they do, Foley seems to have the stuff right now to possibly emerge for that. And to me, that makes him someone who I'll be monitoring for saves, uh, especially considering the fact that, like I said, even if Lang doesn't get traded, he has started to struggle. Ultimately, I think he keeps the job, but the way he's been performing, it's worth keeping an eye on, especially if uh, Lang continues to go down uh, how he has been doing. This sort of gives me vibes of the next Clay Holmes. I remember when we had that conversation in the offseason about random dudes that could just be the next like big breakout relief pitcher. And while I don't consider Folly to be the next big breakout relief pitcher, he does sort of fit that skill set that Clay Holmes has. He doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he doesn't walk anybody. He gets a ton of ground balls though. And I think that's what gives his sinker such a high PLV number. It's not the fastest. It's 97 miles per hour. So it's, it's pretty fast, but it's not like Jordan Hicks levels, but it does get a ton of ground balls. It's in the 94th percentile in terms of PLV and it's got a ton of horizontal movement. And so I think that's the big thing for him is he's just great at getting ground balls. So if Lang does get traded or Lang continues this downward spiral that we already talked about earlier in the podcast, then I think Foley could be the next guy up there because he's so good at putting balls on the ground. Yeah, it's definitely a name to keep an eye on, especially with how Lang's been pitching recently and if he and or if he gets traded. So um but yeah, I, I just it's that that swing strike rate. I really think that might be the lowest I've ever seen from any high leverage reliever. <laughs> yeah, it's it really nice. Gives me pause. Yeah, it's a, it is a nice six point nine percent swing strike rate. But um, yeah, it's weird because you know it, he does have pretty good you know stuff as far as I can tell. But it's it's just not there's not a lot of whiffability there. So. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a name to keep an eye on, but I am definitely more into string strike, you know, swinging swing and miss stuff and and K rates. So, um, it's a it's a it's a watch for me for now. Yeah, definitely a watch. Just someone that I felt was worth worth mentioning. Some honorable mentions. We won't go into depth on these guys, but just a couple final names before we move over to behold. Julian Merriweather has always been interesting to us. So with the Cubs, we talked about the Cubs a lot on this show. So he's always his changeup always makes him a viable candidate. Hunter Harvey, we're gonna keep saying his name until he's red in the face. He's only eight percent rostered on Yahoo. That needs to change fast. And Carlos Hernandez seems to be the consensus favorite among us to take over the job if and when Scott Barlow and Aroldis Chapman ultimately get traded. So those are some final names to possibly keep an eye on for saves. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, we'll run through, breeze through. We won't go as in-depth in these names, but some guys you want to monitor for holds as a stash candidate going forward in those leagues as well. So we'll be right back. All right, we talked enough about save candidates. Of course, these guys are also candidates for holds coming down the stretch, but we want to go some even deeper names for holds candidates. We'll start with you, Rick. We have another list of about 10 guys. So in order to speed things along, I want you to give me your two favorites at this point for uh, oh. for holds at this point right now. 
Oh boy. Okay. Well, I'll go with Brock Stewart. I'll I'll talk about Brock Stewart first because he has an ERA under one for the year, and that's in twenty three innings pitched. Um, ERA of point seven eight. He's also second. This is second in all of baseball in CSW at thirty eight point two percent. Second in all of baseball at swinging strike rate twenty one point four percent. Um, obviously, this came from out of nowhere. No, you know, Brock Stewart had last pitched in for the Dodgers in 2019. Um, he's since then he's throwing about six miles per hour harder. His fastball is up to 97.2 miles per hour, and he's got a nice little cutter and sinker mix behind that. But our cutter and slider mix, sorry, the slider has been getting most of his whiffs, but it's it's been really impressive from him. He he's become the favorite him and Griffin Jacks are one and two in that setup role behind Yoan Duran there. So it's, um, I think this is someone that's sustainable for holds leagues. I don't think he's going to get a ton of saves, but holds leagues going forward. I, I, I could see him having a big second half there. And the other guy is Taylor Rogers. Um, Taylor Rogers has had a horrible start to the season. But since then, over his last 21.2 innings pitched, he's been a, argu- he's not arguably he has been a top 10 reliever in baseball since the middle of April. So the only thing that's lacking is holds from Taylor Rogers, and those should come now that Scott Alexander and John Brebia are both on the IL. I, I think that definitely opens up that should at least open up a window because I don't know what else you know I don't know who else is going to be getting holds other than his brother Tyler in that bullpen so uh Taylor Rogers now only three holds on the season which is wild to think of after you know they signed him to a pretty big contract and that was supposed to be his role uh I think those three holds click quickly turn into double digits by the end of July let's say yeah, those are both great calls. I mean, I'll start with Rogers since we we just talked about him last. But yeah, that that beginning of the season was really rough, and you just mentioned also that they signed him to a big contract. So I think there was lots of hype there. Mm-hmm. There were many, including myself, who even considered him as the favorite for the closer role there, which is sort of laughable at this point. As Camilo Duvall, I think he leads the National League. But uh, yeah, there's nobody else in that bullpen. Tyler Rogers has 15 holds somehow, which is five times more than his twin brother, but. You said Taylor Rogers has been great since mid-May. I these numbers are shocking. Since yeah. mid-May from the from April 15th until uh recently, yep. he's got a he's tossed 22 innings. He's allowed just one earned run with 32 strikeouts. That's a 0.40, 12.7 strikeouts per 9. That is extremely elite and so I I think you got to believe like He's figured things out. I don't know if it was the pitch clock early on in the season, but I, he's back, and those saves are about to start uh, rolling in. I saw something about he was. Yeah, I mean, and this does this now looking looking more into it. He was kind of experimenting. I think the pitch clock had something to do with it, but he was also experimenting with like a cutter um, that he just kind of scrapped. And he's like, "No, I'm just going to go back to my old, you know, slider and go from there." And yeah, it's been. I mean, the last 22 innings, he's top 10 in CSW. K minus walk percentage, Sierra, XFIP, anything. I mean, he's he's top ten amongst all relievers in pretty much every category outside of holds or saves. Yeah. And I mean, just sticking with the the Giants bullpen, I'll, I'll throw in just uh, a quiet one, and that's Luke Jackson. And I mostly mention him because there's so few options in San Francisco right now, but he's been really great since he came back. I, I talked about him earlier in the offseason. 
when he was announced to sign with the Giants and he wasn't really talked about a lot because he was going to start the year on the IL, but he's been pretty solid. He's only touched tossed eight innings, but I think people forget that in 2019, he struck out 34% of batters with a sub four ERA. And last year he had a sub two ERA throughout the whole season. And this year he's come back strong. He's got a 2.16 ERA. He's striking out 31% of batters. I think this is a quietly a really great pitcher. And I mean, the Giants look like they uh, are, are getting the most out of him right now. His velocity is maintained. And I, I think that's a, another even sneakier than, than Taylor Rogers. While Taylor Rogers mm-hmm. probably has a higher ceiling, I think if you're uh, in a deep Holtz league, this is a guy that is probably going to be pretty coveted in the second half. And uh, I'll, I'll just go to Brock Stewart real quick because you you mentioned him. He's been so good. That fastball has been incredible. You said uh, it raised six six miles per hour. It's I think leading baseball in CSW in terms of fastballs, yeah. it's got a fifty-one percent CSW. I mean that that he's a completely different pitcher from what he was when he was first coming up as a starter with the Dodgers. So this is a, a pretty crazy turnaround from him. And while we know this sub one year A is probably not going to keep up, and I don't think it's going to be sub two even because mm-hmm. he doesn't he has he's not he doesn't get a lot of ground balls. He gives up a ton of fly balls and his home run uh, rate has been really low. He's got a 6.3 home run to fly ball rate. And that comes with a 98% left on base percentage as well. So that's definitely going to regress uh, negatively, but with the skills that he's shown so far, I think he's still going to be a pretty solid to elite reliever throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I think those are some great candidates. I did not realize how well Taylor Rogers had been, playing at this point in the season. Those numbers you've thought there are actually very shocking to me. So he's a great candidate. I know he might have been dropping a lot of leagues off his uh, st- poor starts of the season, but if he's still out there, you better make sure he is rostered. I know you gave one with uh, Luke Jackson, Jake, but do you have any other another candidate or two for uh, stashing for holds? Yeah, I think there's lots of candidates. I know you want me to to keep it short because we we, no, we uh, have a lot can, of names here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we <laughs> we can talk about a lot of names, but I think one that's sort of rising the ranks quietly is Jose Soriano. He's got a really really small sample, but uh, he's still only 24. He just came up from the minor league straight from Double A. He's really uh, I don't know gone through a, a lot of pitching in the low levels of the minors throughout his career. And it's come with a lot of walks, but since he's come up, he hasn't walked a crazy amount. It's 13%. So it's not ideal, but he's offset that with a 33% strikeout rate. Like I said, seven inning sample, but I think this is a guy that could be pretty interesting, especially in a angels bullpen that isn't super deep, especially with the injuries that they're currently dealing with. Matt Moore is one of those that uh, you can stash right now because he was such a great holds option before he hit the IL, but that's definitely a guy that could uh, come back. But the the fastball curveball combo from uh, Soriano is pretty interesting. 81st, per- 81st percentile, 38% CSW on that curveball is uh, pretty interesting. And the, and the fastball comes in in the high 90s as well. So that's a, a pretty good combo. Like I said, still only 24. So there's room to grow. But the way that he's pitched thus far suggests that um, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, if not stash. Yeah, it's an interesting name. I think it depends on how long Moore is out for. I, and you mentioned both of them. It's it's kind of they might go hand in hand. I don't know if when, when Moore's back, if both of them are going to have um, you know room to kind of have value. But um, as long as Moore's out, he he's definitely their top top lefty there. And 
worked his way into a setup role because they don't have yeah like they don't have a much they don't have much there behind uh you know Davinsky outside of you know Estevez as their closer so it's a good call out very interesting as we have like one of those other they have I think three guys I called straight up from double a to, to put into their bullpen and um he's he's worked out so far and it's be interesting to see how uh how how well he can uh you know they'll pitch for them and as we head into July one of my favorite candidates stash or never holds as well is uh Similar to the Daniel Hudson call, it's Blake Trine, and we mentioned him at the beginning of the show if Phillips was falling. But we've seen how Dave Roberts likes to use him. His sinker has always been extremely nasty. The Dodgers have, we talked about, been inconsistent with how they use the pen. Bruce Gradwell is still there, of course, and he'll be in the high leverage. But Trine's always been a guy they've trusted to pitch in those high leverage situations. And while they're still trying to search for their ultimate closer, maybe trying and find his way in that mix. But either way, I think Dave Roberts will like to use him in those high leverage situations. So I think he's someone I definitely want to keep an eye out in those leagues. And then Robert Stevenson for the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays is another one. He currently already has eight holds, six of them happening between April 18th and April 29th. But you know, Pete Fairbanks may or may not find his way back on the IL. We saw Jason Adam, who's been great, have a struggling performance on Thursday recording this. Ultimately, I don't think that's a long-term concern, but we always see the Rays work their devil magic on these relievers. And I just think Robert Stevenson's another one of those reclamation projects that you're going to want to get to. I think he ultimately is going to get to that high-leverage position to get the ball to and add a more fair banks at the back end there and be someone you really want to hold. The Rays just find their way with these relievers, and I think Stevenson's just another example of that. Yeah, I think we, did we I don't know if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Stevenson and kind of the similarities between him and like Matt, Matt Wisler and just a guy who's going to throw sliders 80% of the time. But uh, Stevenson's slider, I think his stuff is just better than Wisler's was, and he's he's it's been interesting looking at some of the game logs, it looks like he's throwing his slider a little bit harder now uh, in Tampa Bay. And definitely the results are, are there. He, he's been, he's been great for them. 20.6% swinging strike rate since he's been into, since he's been with the Rays. So um, it's definitely early, but he has two, he has those, those, so those six holds came in April on that weird week and a half stretch, but the other two holds came with the Rays in June. So um yeah, it's it looks like he's trending up. So uh, it's, I like the Stevenson call. Yeah, he's he's on my watch list in my home league. Uh, definitely a guy I'm I'm waiting for higher leverage situations to sort of go all in on him and then stream him in that league. But I think just the fact that the Rays sort of are like a, a two man bullpen right now with Fairbanks and Adam sort of leaves that open for other guys to step in there. I mean, Kevin Kelly has had success this year, but he's not a big strikeout guy. And then they sort of Poche. just have a bunch of, yeah, I, he, he's just doesn't strike anybody out. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. how he's I'm so not, good. I'm not a big fan either. So yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think we're in the same boat. They just have about like a bunch of reclamation part projects, which is sort of the race thing to do. Like Jake Diekman, Zach Littell, uh, Robert Stevenson, obviously. But I, I think, all of these guys have a lot of potential and Robert Stevenson is a guy that I liked long before he was in Tampa Bay. So there's, there's lots of uh, hope for me there that he could go on, on a crazy stretch during the summer and uh, late into, into the early days of uh, 
mm-hmm. fall as well and sort of become a, a big strikeout arm that that's being like the the third high leverage option there in Tampa Bay. Yeah. As we wrap up some of the hold candidates, uh, Rick, do we have any other honorable mentions, guys? You just briefly want to mention is just uh, candidates before we wrap up. I just, you know, I I really this is definitely just for holds leagues only and especially leagues. I don't know if he's got starting pitching eligibility, but in leagues where he does have starting pitching eligibility, uh, Matt Brash, because um, I don't know, there's probably not going to be a ton of holds there now that um, Munoz is back and, you know, Seawall's been pitching well. But Matt Brash has been maybe the most unlucky pitcher in baseball this year. He has a 3.94 ERA and 1.48 whip, whip which if you just look at that, you're going to be like, this This guy's trash. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> not even, well, the, yeah, the 500 Babbitt, which doesn't even, that doesn't, be, it looks like it's fake. That doesn't make sense. But um, he's got a 40, 40.9%, let's just call it a 41% K rate, fourth best in baseball. 36.2% CSW, 7th best in baseball, um, and a 2.3 XFIP. So there's been a ton of bad luck with Brash this year. He, he's due for a turnaround. He, he's definitely, he would be, an, he's, a, he's someone you want to target if you're, in, if you're in deeper holds leagues or those dynasty leagues that count holds. He's someone you want to target with his, this is probably going to be the lowest his value will be. Um, as far as you know, his value goes as a reliever. So I, I, I think he's he's definitely a name to to monitor and target moving forward. For sure, yeah. I mean, he's been incredible this year, and he hasn't walked a lot of guys right now. If you look at the top five mm. in terms of strikeout minus walk rate in all of baseball among pitchers with at least twenty innings pitched, here's the top five. You got number one Felix Bautista, probably best closer in baseball. Number two Jacob Degrom. Best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Number three, Matt Brash. Yeah. Number four, Alexis Diaz. And number five, Spencer Strider. So you got a couple of the best strikeout relievers in all of baseball, a couple of the best strikeout starters in all of baseball, and then you got Matt Brash. So something's got to turn around there. And I, I think he's clearly like the third most talented reliever. He might be the most talented reliever in that bullpen if everything sort of went his way. But with Andres Munoz's track record and Paul Seawald's position as the closer. I think those guys are definitely a step above, but Brash has been something else this year. It, it's funny too. I mean, we talk about the, the 500 BABIP, which is obviously just not sustainable. That's way too high. He's still been good, <laughs> but it, it's in like, so, okay, where's the, so the 1.48 whip, where's that coming from? Is it walks? No, it's not walks. He's, he's not giving up hard contact. So it's just really been, it's been just really bad luck. That's, that's all the, that's the only reason his whip's so high. It's just bad luck. So uh, that should come down and I would expect a huge second half from him. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do. I've got to watch him pitch against my Yankees this past week and you see what all the hype is that stuff. He definitely has that electric stuff and it would not shock me if he's a, a must roster candidate at the end of the season getting the ball to Seawald and Munoz but we'll wrap up with the holds candidates we'll end the show with a mailbag we did put some questions on discord as always join a PL plus get in the discord get a PLV all the advanced uh, metrics all the look into what we do at PitcherList great community people a lot of great conversations and we try and take questions weekly at this point so we said the main question 
was this whole topic of conversation, but we didn't want to forget the final question from our friend Diener Williams. He says, when and how would you platoon closers? For instance, he has Estevez, Barlow, and now Hicks. I don't want to start three closers in a weekly lineup unless my starting pitcher matchup stick take. What is the best way to choose between them in a weekly format? So essentially, how are you choosing between the relievers you start in a week? Do you do it on a matchup dependent is hot streak? What goes into your mindset when you're choosing between uh, your relievers, especially the third, fourth reliever on your roster and trying to rotate between them? Yeah, I think, you know, for relievers, they're so volatile and so hit or miss that I, I think the first thing I would look at is just how many how many games is that team playing this week? Is there seven games or five games? If it's five games, I might I might sit them because you're getting less chances for a save there. If it's seven, um, sure. And, you know, I'll probably roster them depending unless it's like a brutal both both series are brutal, then maybe I'll I'll still sit them. But even even against like a good team, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not gonna get saves because this is baseball and you know crazy things happen. So I, I think just giving yourself the more the most chances for, for a save, um, by having the more more games is how I would that would be the first thing that I look at. But yeah, matchups definitely play a factor. And, you know, recent performance if if, if um you know Barlow coming off kind of a rough week last week, but then he got a save tonight. One of his, you know, he's finally got another save tonight. So it, it it's really for me, it's just, you know, giving as long as the relievers have opportunities for saves, that's kind of where I lean. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely echo everything you just said. And you sort of ended there by saying opportunity. And mm-hmm. while a lot of times that means like playing worse teams or mm-hmm. being good recently, I think a lot of it has to do with how good that player's team is. So in this case, you're deciding between Estevez, Barlow, and Hicks. Barlow's on one of the worst teams in all of baseball is sort of – in the mid range of, of relievers in general. And so I, I think that would be the guy that I would sit because he's got the worst team. He's going to have the fewest wins. I think this past week I was deciding between Fairbanks and McGuff in a, in a league. And I went with Fairbanks because the Rays have been better this year. That has been the wrong decision thus far, but that's sort of the volatility, volatility you play with, especially because McGuff wasn't really locked into that role. But a lot of the time, a lot of the time for me, it's uh, really dependent on how good that that closers team is. Yep, and I'll echo all of that and add one last final thing. We have the great resources of the closer rankings and depth charts uh, from the past week. Look at usage. If you get to a your Monday and you're sending your lineup and you've seen that your closer has pitched two of the last three games over the weekend, say they pitched back to back on Saturday or Sunday, maybe they use that as a tiebreaker, knowing that. Okay, they may have to sit a game or two because they've been using back to back or three out of four games, which ultimately lessens their chances for saves. So obviously use what Jake and Rick have mentioned before uh, with matchups and the amount of games as the ultimate decider. But if it comes down to it, take a look at their usage. If they've been overworked over the past few days, maybe you do sit them out for a week because they will get less opportunities because they'll have to sit a game or two to uh, get their arm back to full strength. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. As always, you can find this show on Twitter at In the Pen Pod. Feel free to follow us, give us a review, let us know where you would like us to improve any favorite questions you have about this. We're always available on Twitter to talk relievers, help you through some of those decisions, 
and help you find some of those diamonds in the rough as we get towards the halfway point of the season. Jake, Rick, why don't you guys plug where you can be found on Twitter as always and any other work that you have going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham and uh, just yeah, plugging away the closer and holds rankings. Um, hopefully finding some more sleepers as we move into the second half of the year. Yep. And uh, you can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. Uh, I do the first pitch podcast on the weekends. I have a personal, I have a personal podcast called the free baseball podcast, which you can find on my Twitter. And uh, I also do the reliever ranks articles once or twice a week for pitcher lists, as well as doing some playing time analysis for baseball HQ. Yeah. Now, you know, I have one last name to add for a save candidate. Isaiah Kiner Falefa. In a 10 nothing game, he pitched a scoreless inning, then hit a two-run home run. So if he's still out there, <laughs> go get yourself some Isaiah kind of falefa. That was the highlight of my Yankee night. But for all of us on the In the Pen podcast, I'm Callen, as always, joined with Jake and Rick. Go out there, get yourself some diamonds in the rough. As always, hit us up if you have any questions. But we'll catch you next week and try and find you some more exciting names. All this and more on In the Pen. <laughs>